Hi guys, welcome back to Long Story Short. It's our third podcast and we're really excited. I'm back in Minneapolis and Emma is in Colorado. Hello! Uh, We hope you guys had a very nice 2018 New Year's. Welcome to the new age of no longer 17. We're 18, baby. We're 18. Um, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, one of them is amazing cystic fibrosis friends that she met through social media and has formed an amazing relationship with. Uh, Cassandra is here. Adema, would you like to introduce your friend to us? Yes, this is my little, she's my little sister. Um, we, uh, she reached out to me, I forget when, she like messaged me on Instagram and then we started chatting and then shortly after, she um, she actually FaceTimed me the day I got home from my transplant. It was so funny. I was walking up the stairs, and she's like, oh, my God, you have new lungs. <laughs> um, and then we eventually, she started a, a group chat. Um, so, and then we, we named it the Salty Wolf Tribe because, you know, we're all, we're all wolves in this world. And there's a group of amazing young salty girls in that group and um so we've all become really close and and Cassandra's my little because she's my littlest <laughs> but yeah just uh, tell a little bit about yourself about your CF and you know your health so far and growing up and stuff like that so yeah this is Cassandra hi guys I'm Cassandra um I am 22 years old at the um at this point um I had a pretty normal childhood from what I thought was normal. Um, I got diagnosed with CF before I was even born. They took my mother's embryonic fluid from her. um, What? They took the embryonic fluid from her and that umbilical cord and they tested it because they noticed that my stomach was exploded and like ruptured. And the doctor at the time only saw that it only happened with one other CFer. So he went ahead and did tests so I got diagnosed before I came out, and it was really rough. Uh, they told my mom I wasn't going to make it, and they brought her a casket book. It was like, you need to have your mom pick out, well, oh she needed God. to pick out a casket because... Oh, my God. Jesus. And so my mom was like, I am not giving up on my baby. And <clears throat> so I was, I guess, you know, I've been a fighter ever since... I was even born. I didn't, you know, didn't know what I was coming into, but I got blessed with such a great, amazing parent that helped me through everything. And while I was growing up, I didn't really notice I had CF. I didn't really notice not everybody did treatment because my mom and dad, like, they didn't treat me any differently. I still did gymnastics for years and years. I did cheerleading, pole vaulting. Pretty much anything I wanted to. Um, I've had over 120 surgeries, but holy <laughs> moly, <laughs> what? <laughs> I got scars, face. Jesus, girl, <laughs> that's a lot. That's fucking badass. <laughs> but um, uh, can say I'm a lot stronger for it, and so that just pushed me more to be able to be go back and do the normal things now that I'm older it's like I really pushed my myself to do a lot and I didn't really realize it at the time because I thought I was normal until I got older and my lungs started to like decline 
And that's when I realized that, you know, CF is really a life-threatening illness. And a lot of people don't realize that till they start getting worse. And so at this point, my lungs were at 26%, but they went back up to 33% within a month. Woo! Don't know exactly how I did it, but you know what? I did it, and that's... That's all I can say. You did yep, it. Pure will. You were like, so fuck that. Exactly. A third sounds better than a quarter. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, I just love to hike, whitewater kayak, I love rafting. That's badass. I let CF tell me I can't do anything. And that's one thing I want to show people is that no matter what, you can still do it, even if... You do have only a quarter of your lungs. You may have to take breaks and take a nap in a hammock, but if you got to do it, you got to do it. You go, girl. Yeah, that's a really good place to take a nap. (laughs) Right? I think it's the best place. It is. I bring mine sometimes on hikes. Yeah. Yeah. See? That's why me and Rima get along is because we really know how to enjoy life and we know what life is about it. Taking it by the horns. Yep. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Yeah. That's awesome. I had no idea about, holy shit, 120 surgeries? Yeah. It, a lot of it's on my stomach because they had to reconstruct my whole stomach because I didn't have one. And oh my God. so even my belly button is man-made. They ha- That was, my belly button is actually a scar. So I don't really have an in. I don't really have an Audi. So I can't come with it <laughs> you can't put snacks in it no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> what's your uh, favorite place to go uh rafting on or like river like where do you like to go white water rafting i like to go up to okoe it's up here and it's like uh in tennessee and north carolina i like to go there to okoe because it's like you lose signal you can't really talk to anybody. It's just you and nature, and you're just there, and you can reflect so much, like, on your life and just realize how much you can be grateful for with all the beauty just around you. So, yeah, I like to go to Okoe a lot. Girl, you are wise beyond your years. <laughs> and I think it took that's, a lot for me to get there, that is for sure. I mean, but I, from, like, talking to a lot of CFers, like, I've noticed, like, you guys are, like, usually have a lot of, wise old owls because you just know you know like I or like normal people kind of sweat you're like mm, I mean you might but you're like no nah, it's really not important or like you just get it you just get it which is amazing yeah yeah so I- Nima's got some questions for you I do I do um so what were your like thoughts and feelings uh when you found out that you needed a double tr- lung transplant um, when they brought it up to you. So usually I hear that people go through like a depression and they get really upset and stuff, but I don't, I didn't go through that. I actually got on, actually got on the internet. I was like looking up stuff. That oh, people... that's always dangerous. <laughs> Googling. <laughs> <laughs> but it showed me these amazing things people did with their double lung transplant. And that's sort of how I found you. Like, I was, like, looking up Instagram, and then I was like, oh, she needs one. And, <laughs> and I don't know. I just, 
I didn't really go through like a bad feelings until later. Um, I was excited actually. I was like, oh my gosh, I can go hiking without having to sit on a rock for hours probably. And I can go whitewater kayaking without, you know, having to take breaks. I got really excited and I shared it with my friend who also is needing a lung transplant. And, you know, it was different how our, both of our outcomes were so different because I was, I was excited. I was like, I want to be able to do all this, but I, you know, I did have to learn about the, uh, the bad things and, you know, the bad times that may come with it. And I, I was really excited when I actually found out and I still am excited to a point now I am, but, um, I did go through a point where I got depressed about it because I was like, this isn't fair. All these people can, you know, can go through life, not have to worry about a thing, not have to worry about breathing. And here I am, you know, 23, and all I wanted to go do is be a hippie and live in my van, and I can't even hardly do that. And I was like, that's not fair. It's not (laughs) fair. It's not. not. And so I just got really upset because I was like, all I want to do is live in my van with my dog and not bother anybody. I'm so excited you got a van that you're working on currently. Wait, you got a van, actually? Wait, okay, so you got, okay, I, awesome. (laughs) I'm so jealous because I want to do van life. (laughs) I need partners. Oh. My friend in uh, San Francisco is getting a van too, and he's like Lima. He's like, you are the like the most gypsy friend we have. He's like, I'm like, you have no idea how I just want to drop everything and just live in a van forever and just travel. Please tell me about this van you got. Sorry. You're okay. So I got a van um, about over a month and a half ago. <clears throat> I've I've been I'm I'm a hippie at heart. Like I love to be outside. I don't want to be stuck in a room planted somewhere like I don't believe as people we were planted to be in one place Agreed like we had to go see places do things experience things no one ever thought we would and one of my friends just invited the idea of the van and I was like I can do that I was like I mean all I got to do is hook up a converter to my alternator and there we go and then me and my doggie can go on hikes and enjoy the sunset and stuff I was like, what more could a girl need? So, no, you have a dog. You're you're set. You have a dog and a van. You're living the life that I want. <laughs> hey, I'm taking applications for people who need to, who want to come. <laughs> yeah, so I'm applying for this leg of your trip. Yeah. I'm gonna here. It's like an interview for like roommates. Oh my god! Yeah, that's awesome. So, are you like remodeling the interior? I am, and that is actually really difficult. I didn't really realize how difficult it was. YouTube. Yeah, (laughs) I've been YouTubing a lot. And it's so cool, though, because I get to make the van, like, how I would really want my room to be. And, like, my little living space. And I find it really just self-rewarding to be able to make something of my own that is a dream of mine. And I get... I'm getting rid of all the stuff that, you know, I can't fit into my van. And it's just, it makes you realize what's important in life. That things aren't important. This little thing here 
that you got maybe from winning something, it's not important. What's important is your memories and who you're with. So that's what I want my van trip to really <clears throat> show people is that you don't need a bunch of stuff in a room to make you happy. You just need your memories and the people you're with or the dog you're with. So. Like I said, wise beyond your years. <laughs> uh, so jealous. So jealous of this van life. Uh, what made you consider not getting a transplant when it was brought up? Um, I began seeing th different things about other CFers and not even CFers that were um, their lungs were getting rejected. And I just was just seeing the different bad outcomes of it. And for a while, I felt guilty that I was going to be able to have a lung transplant. And I saw like so many of my friends who missed the opportunity of having it. And so in a way, I felt guilty that I was going to be able to. And so I deterred from the option of having one to <clears throat> say, no, I don't want one because I was like, it's not fair for, for them to have to, you know, pass away and me be able to still be here and have a second chance. So I sort of got into a rut and I was like, well, no, I don't want my second chance if they can't have a second chance. So I just started seeing so many bad things. And <clears throat> that's one thing with social media and stuff. You're going, you're going to see a lot of the bad things over the good things. That's what entices people. And that's what gets people's attention and so I just started to have to, like, realize that there are a lot of successful stories out there. Like, Rima, you're one of them. Like, there are so many different ones. And just seeing what you guys are able to do now, it's like, what is the risk, really, if uh, not going through it? So, yeah. Yeah, I had, um, some, like, when I first got it brought up to me for transplant back in... 2011, 2012, when I went through my first evaluation in Boston, it's like, you know, the thoughts, like, you know, you have the choice, like, do you want one or do you not? And like, you know, it's a very personal choice. And I know like family members often get very upset about, you know, your choice because, you know, depending if it's not the right one that, you know, your family member wants, which is to get the transplant so you live longer, you know, there's issues that happen, but, um, yeah, I mean, considered maybe a little bit being like, well, you know, the bad, does it outweigh the good or does the good outweigh the bad? Because basically getting a transplant is, um, you know, you're trading one disease for the other. Mm -hmm. and, but I figured like mm -hmm. getting a transplant, yes, there's a certain amount of time that you have with these lungs, but they do also uh, do second transplants. And Recently, there's been someone who got a third one, which is amazing. Where were, what? Yeah, someone got a third transplant. That's awesome. Yes, it is very awesome, but he's, um, yeah, pretty that, cool. But, like, tagging on to what you said about social media has a lot of, like, <clears throat> negative things. That Emma and I noticed, and we've had this discussion more times than I can count, anytime we'd had a picture of her, like, in the hospital, like, not doing well, or, like, look, like, the picture was graphic, we would get so many more likes and comments than like a happy picture of her out in nature and be recovering. It's it's like a really weird thing because like 
negative things people are drawn to and you're just like no 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 like the picture of her on the mountain more than her with the tubes I don't understand what's wrong with you people yeah and it's just so strange to us and we know like our followers who like love us like like everything but then they're the people who don't and they start liking like the negative stuff and I'm like you're perpetuating this and you're making social media into like this like like you said like you can get stuck in a hole of just seeing all these negative things Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and that's exactly what happened to me and I actually had to take a step back from all of my social media like I had to just really evaluate myself and be like, you know, this is, I want my, I want my opinion and what I want for my life to be mine and not to see everyone else's. So I have taken a very big step back from it just during this time to really, you know, get my life together, be who I want to be and make sure this is what I want and not having anyone deter what I want to do. Yeah. No one influencing your your thoughts and decisions no because at the end of the day it's it's you mm-hmm. it's about yep. you no one else and if someone wants to join your journey as a caregiver like yeah you know what I mean but like at the end of the day if like you want to do it you do it if you don't want to do it you don't have to do it yeah that's one thing it's like so many people got upset with me when I did tell them I didn't want to transplant but I thought the people who had a transplant would have been mad at me more than the people who didn't have one. And the ones who had a transplant were actually more, like, oh, like understanding and caring about it. And it sort of took me off guard because I was expecting them to be like, no, you need one. And, you know, it was crazy because it, it really opened up my eyes to, like, how transplant can make someone, <clears throat> I guess, really value each and every different person's life and their choices because it's not everyone's choice to get one and you know you got to respect that even though maybe you have had that choice to make yeah and it's not it's not the easiest thing to go through so it's not for everyone like some people I'm sure you know they're like you know what I've seen people go through it and it's not for me or not even transplant but like other medical procedures like when you opt out of something I think it's really funny that you know what was that that girl in like Oregon or something like she had cancer and she just did the she opted out of chemo and she didn't want to live like that she wanted to live out the rest of her life however that was and what was it like the social media exploded everyone had an opinion everyone it was like it's not your life go to Target <clears throat> Buy your toilet paper. Concentrate on your life. <laughs> Leave this girl alone. She's nothing to do with you. And I think I think like that's probably what you've experienced. Is like mm-hmm. you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was just it was sort of overwhelming me because I was just like, why are you not upset with me? But then I was like, you know, it's awesome that people are going to be behind me no matter what decision I do make. Yeah. So, I really felt the love from my salty tribe. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I have a question, a couple questions for you. So, um, in your experience from at, like the last few months and year, what do you think is lacking in the CF transplant community, resource or information wise? Because you said you dove into like researching stuff and like, did you start like 
noticing that there was like a lack of information or the same information, but maybe like certain questions weren't answered or like people are concentrating on a certain aspect of the transplant and that you feel like it's kind of like talked about too much and other others aren't. Yes, I actually did notice a like a big thing that I uh, wanted to sort of bring up is the caregiver wasn't really talked about a lot. And that is one thing that I love that you and Rima have been showing people is that the caregiver is a big role. Like, it's sort of almost like having a child. Like <laughs> It is. I told them, I'm like, you're my baby bird. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really are, like... I never realized how much somebody would have to go through, like, as a caregiver to, you know, as opposed to seeing you, like, all the things that you had to do. Like, I'm still learning things that you've done, and I'm just like, that is a lot for someone to, like, take on, but people are so willing to do that for others. And I just feel like the lack of understanding of what a caregiver is, like, wasn't shown at all. Like, it was all about the patient, which, I mean, you know, the patient is the one who goes through things. Yeah. And is going through it all. And the caregiver just has a big, important role before, after, and during that no one really realizes. And it just, I don't know, it took me by surprise that it wasn't really talked about, that how much they would have to sacrifice, how much they would have to, like, do for somebody. And that was my biggest setback, actually, is not having a caregiver. I was like, I don't think I have someone who loves me enough to be my caregiver. Oh, my God. Well, okay. (laughs) It's not love you enough. It's the capability of being a caregiver. Like, I also, like, when I started researching it, like, I had no, like, there's not a lot out there. So I started researching caregiving for, like, elderly people. I was like, well, basically, Adam's going to be, like, unable to do stuff. So, like, it's like you have a child. That's basically what it is. You have a baby all over again, depending on, like, what it is. And you're going to spend a lot of time in the hospital. And not everyone is cut out to be a caregiver. It's just, it's not. And... If you don't have someone in your life who can do it, like, that's got to be pretty difficult. And Emma and I, like, are starting a nonprofit, and part of that nonprofit is I want to start a program where, for instance, if you don't have someone in your life to do it, we find someone to do it for you. Oh, that is so amazing. Like, just because that was my biggest struggle, like, I can only imagine. There's others out there. Because yeah. not every family is a perfect CF family and has, like, a mom and dad that are going to do everything for them. And, yeah. You know, I was just like, so I think I'm just going to sit in the hospital my whole time. Because, <sighs> I was, <laughs> because, like, my sister has MRSA, so, like, she can't, she can't. be my caregiver. Oh, sure. And, yeah, so, and, you know, everyone else has their life and... They, you know, sort of basically told me, I'm not going to give up my life just to, you know, go be with you. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's the sad truth, but like, sometimes people don't want to put their life on hold for somebody else. So that was like my biggest setback as a caregiver and just realizing how much that someone has to give up was like a make it or break it sort of thing for like me knowing about transplant, like wanting to get it and I think that was another reason why I was like well fine I'm not gonna get it 
I have no one who's going to help me. So I was like, what's even the point? But, you know, I think here recently, like, doors have been opening for me. And I believe that when the time is right, I, I will have the right caregiver. And they will know what to do and what needs to be done because of what you and Rima have been showing people and teaching people. Because before then, I haven't really heard about what a caregiver does or what they had to do. Yeah, and that's, it's so right. Like, it's funny, whenever I meet new people and, like, try to explain, like, the last year, they're like, so what were you? I was like, a caregiver. Or they're like, oh, so you just, like, kind of, like, cooked and cleaned. And I was like, I did say housekeeper. That, those words, and no, that's not what I was. And this one person was just, like, kind of, like, oh, so you just, like, drove your sister around and, like, just washed dishes and cleaned the house and did laundry. I was like, when I had time, are you asshole? And then I was like, wait, this person doesn't know. I had to educate them. So, so I started telling them about it and they just like blew their mind. And I was like, oh yeah, we were up at like four o'clock in the morning doing IVs, like how to learn all this stuff. Like I would like research medical stuff on the side. Like I had no cards. I had a notebook. Like I would like reread it in my spare time. And they're just like, oh, I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, neither did I. Neither do a lot of people. And it's like a crazy thing because... Stuff and all my equipment and get my vest ready and I mean I couldn't make food for myself really I was just so tired and even just washing dishes I'd be out of breath so like I literally couldn't do much yeah so you did have to do like a lot of stuff for me at that point when I was at like 16 percent like like 18 to 16 percent lung function it's like it's hard and I was on oxygen all the time and you'd carry things for me and get my oxygen tubing when we'd get in the house and just carry all my stuff and you know just everything's so awesome and fill up my liquid oxygen things and get ready for the door and make yeah. sure I was ready for my appointments and you know you'd, you'd be my second pair of ears and eyes at appointments because medicine would make me so spacey yeah I you know I wouldn't remember half the things they were telling me yeah and, like, that's the thing, like, elderly people, they have, like, one of those nurses that come during the day. So, like, why can't the CF community have caregivers that are hired? Like, and it's, like, paid through, through like, a grant or the, or a foundation, but, like, not you yourself would do it. Like, my nonprofit would take care of it. You know, like, that's what we want to do is, be, like, yes, okay, so, like, for instance, you, like, no one in your life is capable of that. Well, great. You come to us and then we'll go take care of it and we'll find you like someone who is the perfect fit for you. And they are your caregiver through the whole process. And that's their job because it is a job. Yeah, I totally agree. Yes. You know, Rima has been telling a little bit uh, to one of my friends what all you've had to do. And it's just like blown his mind. And he's just like, I didn't really realize how much, you know, you would have to know and have to keep up with and it's just like yeah it's not easy as it sounds and not like you said earlier not everyone is cut out to be a caregiver no that sure no and like another thing that helped us is like the positive attitude like you need someone who's like even like when Nemo was having like a bad day I was like I gotta turn it around gotta smile turn that smile upside down like we did some stuff we probably shouldn't have been doing but like her mental health I think yes. it's, like, key. Yeah. So um, what advice do you have for others who are going through what you are? Like, maybe if someone listens to this in, like, a few months and they're going through something similar to you, like, do you have any advice for them? 
Um, I my biggest thing right now is do your research. <clears throat> I feel as though people don't do enough research about hospitals, about care teams, about what they're going to be going through. <clears throat> I feel like they sort of settle for a hospital that they think, you know, oh, th- it'll be okay for me. It's close to home. But really, that may not be your best fit. Um, I, my mom and I, we would call hospitals and sort of interview and talk to them. And you can sort of tell off the phone if you're going to click with people and if you're not. And my biggest thing right now is mental health. Mental health is such a big thing. And, you know, they don't do surgeries if you have, like, anxiety going into the surgery and stuff like that because it can flare something up, and especially with CF. So I want to make sure I'm very comfortable with my doctors before I go in for my surgery because I have a tendency to have get extreme anxiety with people. So I don't want to be having that before my surgery. So I want to be sure that I'm okay with uh, my doctors, that I can talk to them and be able to have a conversation with them and be open. Um, But that's the biggest thing is research. Um, Make sure you talk to people before you just say, hey, I'm going to this hospital. Um, I'm just going to go here because it's like right down the road for me. And I would say just keep your head up. Like, you know, you may weigh in a bed one day and not feel well. But, you know, tomorrow is a new day. You can get out and maybe walk down the road or something and just keep your head up and realize that in the end, it's going to be a better decision to keep going instead of lay down and end your life. That is some really good advice. Um, How has your life changed since connecting to the CF community on social media? So my life has changed in, I'm going to say, two very drastic ways. Um, In the beginning, I was super excited to finally meet all these females and, you know, males, but have all of these females that I can relate to, talk to about things that I haven't really been able to talk to people about because no one really understands what you're going through. I mean, it takes one to know one, and so... I really opened out of my shell. I didn't talk about CF until I met um, about a handful of CFers. And I finally was like, you know what? This is who I am. Why should I be afraid to show people who I am and uh, what my disease really is and what I go through? So I got really, really ecstatic seeing all the success stories, all the the great and amazing things that CFers do and, you know, it just blows my mind all that we do and that people say that we can't. But then, you know, I sort of, on the flip side of it, I've made these such close relationships and I've seen some, like, my best friends pass. And, you know, at one point I was like, is it even worth having a CF friend with the same disease knowing what... I'm going to be going through and then you know it just it's better to have loved than not to have loved at all because I can say you know I met this beautiful soul that I'm forever going to remember and I can carry them with me everywhere I go and realize that I still have the opportunity of breathing and you know you can do it in remembrance of them so 
I sort of, now I'm to the point where I'm okay mentally, like having CF friends and not being sad and just trying to realize the possible like outcomes of it and realizing, you know, things at different times. And some of it is going to be a lot worse. And, you know, it goes, it comes up out of the blue. Like one day they're okay, then the next they'll be in the hospital. And, you know, it's just like, is it even worth having these people in my life? And, you know, they are. You know, everyone is people too. We all want to be understood. And, you know, I don't, I don't regret being a friend to an ECF or at all. And, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did very perfectly, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, and um, I know there's like a handful of CFers out there that choose to not be friends or make you know get close to anyone with CF because of what ha- you know people get sick and they pass away. But yeah, I chose the decision to get close to everyone. <laughs> to- <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was a really good answer. Um. So what are you thankful for about this past year of 2017? Okay, so at my top list, I would have to say your friendship would be one of Aww. my top list. You're so sweet. <laughs> like, I'm saying that because I don't think I would have wanted to keep going with life because... At the beginning of the year, I was really done, and I was just like, I don't, I have no reason. And you started talking to me, and just seeing all that you went through, and, you know, sort of things that you went through slapped me in the face a little bit, and I was like, I'm a little ungrateful little brat. And (laughs) and it just, I don't know. I don't feel like I would be here if I didn't meet and talk to you. And I want... And in 2017, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for finding who I am. Like, I've always wanted to be this adventurous person, go out and do what I wanted. But I always thought CF would hold me back. And just, I encountered people that really set that spirit free in me. And so I had to be really thankful for that because I know 2018 is going to be totally different than 2017. So I know I'm going to be doing... My van life and yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's really what I'm thankful for in 2017 and all the CF friendships I did make. Like not, not one of them. I could say that I am upset that I talked to or made a you know conversation with. Like I'm very happy that I opened up about my CF finally. And, you know, I, if it's just to help one person a year, that's worth it to me. Oh, I'm so thankful to have you in my life, too. You're so awesome. You guys are going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm so glad that you found me. <laughs> I know, I was going to think I'm really weird. <laughs> um, what are some of your goals for 2018? Man wife. <laughs> <laughs> I know. To me, I, I love you so much. <laughs> you can come visit. Yeah, come to Minneapolis. Of course. I am going everywhere my little tires can. <laughs> oh, my God. 
and yeah. I plan to travel to every state, and I don't know. I just plan on spending time with my little doggy and doing everything that I wanted to. I'm gonna be having my kayaks on top, my paddle boards. I'm gonna going everywhere and doing everything. So yeah, 2018 is gonna be pretty good. I can't wait to see you start and follow your adventures. I know. Oh, my God. It's so exciting. Oh, my God. Uh, Okay, so I have two more questions for you. So what would you like people who don't have CF to know about living life with CF that they may not know about or be aware of? (laughs) Um, So it's really weird. Uh, This is going to – yeah, it's going to come up really weird that we're people, too. Um, here lately, like, I've gotten into a relationship with somebody, and, like, their family is, like, basically making me feel like I'm not a person, that I'm just a sickness and a disease, and it it's just as, like, just because I'm sick doesn't mean <clears throat> that I'm not a good person, that I can't do, and I do do more than they do, sorry, but... And that's one thing, like, CFers, we try, and I feel like we do more than what normal average people do. And that's what I want, I guess, people to realize is that just because we do have a disease doesn't mean we can't do anything and that we should just stay at home. And that's one thing I hope to show people this year is, like, I know a lot of people who are scared to go out because of their CF, and it makes me sad because I feel like they're missing out on life. Mm-hmm. Show them like Rima does. Everybody, like you know, get out of your shell and go live. So I like to live life on the edge. I guess with CF, we do already live on the edge. So I'm like, why not push the envelope a little bit more and be a little adventurous with it? So I like to do crazy things that people, you know, question me about, and they're like, "Why are you doing handstands on that? And why are you flipping off of that?" And I'm like, I might as if I die, then I might as well die doing something exhilarating and happy instead of dying laying in my bed. So I like to push the envelope a lot when it comes to adventure and doing things I probably shouldn't. Because, I mean, like you said earlier, I'm going to live a lot, not a little. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think Nima having CF has pushed me to live my life in certain ways that it wouldn't just because I don't have it, but so close to someone. And I think that has a lot to do with me moving to so many places because I can. So mm-hmm. why not? You know, like Nima doesn't have that same ability to because medical records and moving so often. And so if I had just stayed in the same city, like I kind of feel like I would have been wasting the gift of not, you know, just like having the access and ability to, you should. And those people who are like 100%, nothing wrong with them. They're physically able to, mentally and healthy, and they just do the same thing in and out. Like, fuck that. Fuck. I have a big problem with that as well. Yeah. And then, Okay, so one more question for you from my side. Um, how would you like to positively influence the CF community this year? Um, just to show them that we can, we can go out and travel. I mean, we have to plan for it, of course. Like, that's one thing I want to show is that you can do it if you plan it. And that's what I want to show people is that, you know, 
you don't have to know a boundary, your, your physical boundary. And, you know, some of them are going to have to go out and find that. But I don't think we should know a boundary as to what we can do and what we can't do. So that's what I hope to show people this year is that there are no boundaries for anybody with not just CF, but with any disease. I feel like everybody just gets told what they can and can't do. And I feel like it's time people just live their life to, for themselves, not for other people. And that's what I hope to share. And I hope to share that everyone just deserves to be happy and to do what they love to do. And just that working and stuff just isn't happiness. That's my big thing this year is just stuff and working isn't all about life. Like before I got sick, like I wanted to work, work. I worked a job as a manager and at a retail store. So I had no time for myself and that's how I got sick. And I worked myself to death and it, it wasn't worth it. Like I know I wouldn't be in this point if I didn't do that. And that's what I hope to show people is that, you know, living is the healthier way than just to waste your time at a cubicle or, you know, at a store folding clothes for hours just to make an extra dollar. Like, it's not worth it. It's really not. Agreed. Um, I do have um, a random question back to, like, your van life. It's a question that probably some people might be might be wondering, like, since you have CF, you know, like, on the road, and who knows how long you'll be on there, like, where, like, you can't just, you know, hop back to your clinic, like, in any state, you know, you're gonna have to be able to go to the doctors for, like, emergencies or, like, anything um, for that, like, if you need, like, you know, anything for your lungs or stuff, or if you needed IVs at any point, you'd have to find a, a good hospital in that state or surrounding state um I don't know if you have like any plans for certain hospitals yet and stuff like that so with my um doing your research (laughs) um I came in contact with some doctors with you know at different facilities and at different hospitals and you know that we've talked and I made sure like my insurance would cover if I did have a flare-up or if I had to stay there for a while so I really made sure I covered my bases and because you, you never know and you never know if you're going to get stuck and you're going to get too sick where you probably can't travel. <clears throat> but then I made sure that I had, I guess it's like a caregiver, um, a wonderful partner who is going to be traveling with me. Yeah. Where <laughs> she's not alone, that's for sure. <laughs> um, she's going to be traveling with me and so... We've been, I make sure she knows how I'm feeling. And, you know, if we need to turn back like a week or something ahead, we're going to. But I did set in, in course hospitals in various states that I've already come in contact with and they already sort of know about me. <clears throat> so that's what I'm going to do if I get a flare up. And they're going to, they are going to conversate with my new hospital. Um, I am transferring to Vanderbilt because it's going to be in the center of location of where I'm going to be traveling instead of East Tennessee. So I feel like I covered my bases as I'm to, as I'm supposed to. And that's one thing you got to make sure you do before you do anything is that you have everything covered. 
Yeah, that's a really good plan. I'm so glad that you did that. As insurance is like another thing. It's like some insurances don't cover out of network or like out of state, like, or they'll only cover the ER and not like, you know, the doctors. Like you need a PPO instead of an HMO and like blah, 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 blah. The insurance world sucks. But uh, yeah, yay for plans. <laughs> that, yeah, that's amazing that you're, so when's your goal to like kind of like, do you have like a set date or like a month you want to start doing this? When's the launch date? <laughs> I am taking my putter out on January the 16th. And I'm going to Texas and Oklahoma and New Mexico. Holy oh, it's going to be ready by then. Ooh. And it's going to be like ready to go, like your interior and like what, you, what you've been working on it? Um, it might not be all the way finished, but I'm going to have a bed. I'm going to have all the floors set in it. I'm going to have all the chairs in it that I need. And I'm going to have the hookups for my machines. Like, it may not be the most glorious and prettiest thing on the inside yet. But it'll but, do. Yeah. Yeah, it'll do. You got to live that hippie life. Oh, my God. I can't wait to interview you when you're, like, two months into your road trip. I'm going to be having some nasty hair, going to need some baby wipes and all sorts of things. Dry shampoo and baby wipes. Exactly. Four days, max, I can go dry shampooing my hair. And it'll get okay. Just put a beanie on. That's what I do. People are always like, you're wearing hats. I'm like, because I don't want to wash my hair. That's like my secret. I just didn't wash my hair. (laughs) Now everyone knows why I always wear hats. (laughs) The secret's out. Every day, so yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my god, I am so excited for you, Cassandra. This is just like you're making me like want to go and find a van. No, we can't put ideas like that in my head because then I'll just be like, you know what? Guess what? (laughs) I got a van. (laughs) I see you doing like a miniature school bus. Yes, and and you like collecting people. You're like, I will shelter you and take care of you. Yeah. Come get my short bus with me. Yeah, my short bus with the rock, the, the short rock bus. And I'll, there'll be, like, rocks everywhere, and people will come on it and be like, what is wrong with you? And I'll be like, I don't know where to start. There's a lot, but, like, this is my short bus. <laughs> You're going to have to pull out beds and everything. Yeah, these are the bunk beds. Sleepover. I can fit 12. That's it. You're outside. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, well, this has been so amazing to get to know you better and have you like talk about your life and like everything. And you're so inspirational. I just want you to know that like that, like you've inspired me and like, it's, it's really amazing. And I hope that whoever is listening, you guys are inspired by Cassandra because this is like, this is what CF should do to people, like exactly what she's doing and exactly what Emma's doing. Like, and you shouldn't have to have CF to do this. Like, if you don't have CF, get your fucking ass out that door. Like the last podcast. Like, have you done any of your New Year's resolutions? If you haven't, this girl has. She's leaving on the 16th. What, what? Well, thanks for joining us, and we will have another podcast next week and hopefully have another very inspirational lady on board with us. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.